0: So I got nah. lazy on you this week. Me too. I got a pre-prepared synopsis. As do I. <laughs> yes. What's a synopsis? Hey, no, I've, I've got mine written. Is that After- a crack tweeter? No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> I got a I song. I thought about it afterwards, and I was like, why did I pick an X-Factor book? I have an X-Men index. I could have taken wow. the, the easy way out.
1: Actually, the easy, so easy, the easy way out is go to the net, and they have over 7,000 summaries of comics. So there well, you I go. Just
2: went to, I went to uh, Marvel Wiki. Mm. Oh, there you go. I typed mine myself.
1: Yeah,
0: I could do that too, but we know how, where that leads. <laughs> well, do Yeah.
2: How,
0: which see. con book was it? Uh, so one. <laughs> well, was it con or was it Ruling it was in con. Hell? No, it was it was con. Okay, so it was New Trek. Yeah. I you know I guess you guys just won't let that go, will you? No, there, no, 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 no. i You I'm haven't finished else. the synopsis
2: yet. Why would you let it go? <laughs>
3: Back to the
2: bin.
0: <laughs> I just read *Ruling in Hell* today, so. Oh, the the novel or the comic? Uh, no, it's the comic. The four it's a four issues that kind of bridges the gap between *Space Seed* and *Star Trek 2.
1: Because mm, there's also it, a
0: series of books that does that too.
1: Oh. The, actually, Bridges um, goes before Space Seed.
0: Yes. Tells his backstory. It's, it's a two-novel uh, set. Right? Which haven't read one of involves, the first one involves. I've read a shit ton of the comics.
1: The first book involves Gary Seven from the original series.
2: Yeah, it has Gary Seven. It also has uh, what's the name, the Whale Lady, in it. The Whale Lady. Yeah, from uh, from the Voyage Home. Oh, oh yeah, um,
1: yeah, that's right. I, I was thinking of like you know somebody really large.
0: Why do I don't want to call her Grace? That's not her name. Damn it.
1: That was one of the whales, was Gracie. Thank George you.
2: Gracie. George and Gracie. I know it's the mom on 7th Heaven. Yeah, it
1: was, uh, what, she was the mo- yeah, she was, did you just say the mom on 7th Heaven? I was, I was, it's yep. like you said my thought before I could. With Stephen Collins. Yeah. 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 Who was the, you know. Who was the, of... yeah, you know.
0: Jillian, Jillian Taylor. Because she, in Dead of Honor, it picks up after Star Trek IV, and mm-hmm. it's one of the few times you see her in the 23rd century.
2: Yep. Well, like it says, it must have been a little chilly on the set. Yeah. Well, it's like showgirls. They
0: gave her an ice cube. To I might have to go back and watch *The Voyage Home*. It was not a bad one. Actually, that's part of the trilogy. Two, three, and four make a solid, solid trilogy. You can skip yes. five altogether. Well, no I pain. don't know. It's got it's it's got a couple points.
1: Really? Which points? I oh, I always I always I always use lines from that movie.
0: I need my pain. I want my pain. <laughs> I actually kind of uh,
2: what does God need with the starship?
0: Yeah. yeah. But that's just because it's it's DeForest Kelly, and he's he's always great to see. No, no, I'm talking about, that's, no, that's Kirk.
2: Th- oh, was it Kirk that said that? Yeah, Kirk that's Kirk. Has, and even just the way they portrayed the the godlike alien. I, I, I kind of oh, like, bring no. the ship closer so that I might, Nerd so it might transport it. my greatness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was it, you know, in, in a universe with like Organians, um, Trelawney, or Trelane, should, should there be any surprise that there would be an entity of this type? Trelane was a Q, by the way. That's that's not been proven. According well, to was well, it's Peter in it's in one of Peter oh. David's books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it well, makes I sense. Mean, which
1: but... which isn't you know is just the book series. But yeah, uh, he was a adolescent Q, and he had a book that tied in
2: all those energy beings. Well, Ga- Gary Seven, get not Gary Seven. Uh, what's his name? And when no man has gone before, that that he's temporarily imbued with the power of Q. Right. Yep. Uh, Gary Mitchell. Oh, Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell.
0: Yeah. And then Daner.
1: Yeah, there's one of the. Yeah, that was was that in Q squared? Yep. That's also the one that brings in the the other guys too. Um, I th- didn't have the little curly Q in Day of the Dove. The little spinny.
2: Oh yeah, I think that was in That but...
1: was in there, and I think the uh, the Gorgon was in it too. The fat guy that makes the little kids, you know, do the thing with their fists, dan killed kill their parents. Bonk, bonk. I can't remember the name of the. That was <laughs> that was a really weird one, you know like they're all not weird so anyway i got i thought of a song today um <laughs> why don't you why
2: don't you uh, share it with us dr bill well it
1: was it was uh, i was thinking of the barbecue and i was going barbecue 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 come on and cook me pasta taro no no not feeling it
2: <sighs> you just cost yourself some steak
1: oh, <laughs> oh. no my other one is to sing uh, Leonard Cohen instead of Hallelujah. Barbecue. Uh, barbecue. <laughs> so that, that's a little better.
0: So, are we are All we right, gonna you be can able to do st- a, a follow up to a Muck Time? Uh,
1: uh, I, I don't know. I've been having a hard time. Oh. I was thinking of doing um, Cast a Rock, Rock, Rocky Three, doing Star. uh, uh yeah, him and a him and a, him, and a, him and a, doing
2: Star Trek Two. What do you think? Well the only the only thing I have about that is though we did do the Star Trek two auditions on Star Trek Monthly Monday one time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could do another not to, episode. Not that anybody
2: know. knows even what episode that was. Even if they wanted to find it, they probably couldn't. Yeah.
0: What about the uh the cast of Rocky Three doing uh Corbonite maneuver, might maneuver?
2: Uh, this is trying you, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You've got Burgess Meredith as Bailey freaking out.
2: <laughs> I don't know what to do, Rock. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, uh, you 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 destroyed my marker. I'm gonna knock you into Tamara.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, so he would be the little uh, well, everybody uh, would be
2: because <laughs> what other are the voices doing?
1: Mister T would be uh, who was Mister T oh, last night?
2: Who, who, who destroyed my marker? It was Smock,
1: <laughs> right? Mr. T was Spock, wasn't he?
0: Um.
1: Mr. T Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Tapoo. T-p- I pitted to tapoo. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I just remember Honeywell was editing because I had to go to bed early because I had an early flight. And he I he kept I just I'd wake up and he'd be just laughing over at the other bed as he's editing.
2: <laughs> just be glad he wasn't laughing at your bed.
0: <laughs> no. Like sitting at the foot of it. You wake, up, <laughs> oh, he, you wake up and he's like
1: hovering
2: over you, no. laughing. No, he had his laptop on the other bed, bed,
0: just editing away. he was like, I, "He told me in the morning, he's like, I was trying so hard not to wake you. I was laughing so hard. I guess he had to get up and leave at one point. He was laughing so hard.
1: <laughs> I guess I better get on something. You don't happen to have a karaoke machine, do you, Paul? <laughs> what?
2: I don't know. Let me hold on. Let me check my pockets.
1: No. Nope. Well, I mean, or, well, or like a. Uh, like a PlayStation game that does karaoke or anything? Cause you got a PlayStation
2: Four? Oh, no, I have 2? the. I ha, I have nothing. My son has the Xbox. I got
1: nothing. I got no the Xbox
2: One go. and the Wii U. Did it got any singing songs?
1: Singing songs? Any singing songs? <laughs> singing games? We could do like. <laughs> so we have a
0: <laughs> We could do Arnold karaoke. I, I, well, you I can don't, pull up. You can pull up YouTube and
2: find songs. Yeah, I would imagine we can do that, but I. Well, I that's true. I, I don't have a karaoke. Hmm. My singing career stalled when I learned how to speak. Yeah, but Arnold karaoke is
1: easy, you know. Just sing anything, like just sing like Arnold. Somehow my default accent I fall back into is Arnold. I was trying to do uh, I was trying to. I've been working on my northern a- a- accent for Andy, but uh, I just keep falling into Austrian.
2: Well, they're similar.
1: Yeah, they're in Europe. Okay, maybe not. And <laughs> come, Jason. Would you say, <laughs> <A> Jason? <laughs> Did you watch? Uh, Agents of Shield
2: season finale. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm trying to catch up still. Okay, I'm still, i
0: still I stopped at season one. Well, the Flash season finale was tonight. Yeah, I'm not yeah. seeing that till tomorrow.
2: Yeah, no me neither. Yeah, you no, guys. Are I'm ruining it for me. Why? Where are you at? Sex,
0: you know, because I'm on with you guys.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Ooh. Yeah, you should be. You can watch it tomorrow, or just stream or, it when you get off. Or if we ever actually record an episode, I can watch it before I go to bed.
1: Right. All right. Already. Jesus. Come on. Let's do the episode. Come on, get to the get to the to talking. <coughs> uh,
0: la, 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 la. Ooh, that was puke. Oh, that wasn't right. <laughs> that,
2: that was disgusting. That was Taco
0: That's, Bell. That was right Ooh. in my ears. Oh, ew. Oh.
2: it burns.
0: Crap. Oh.
2: <laughs> that was a blurp. He's, he's turning into Smeagol right before us. It <laughs>
1: burns <the> us. <sauce. laughs> <laughs> Bell, my precious. Wait, Sometime I became the emperor. (laughs) (coughs) (laughs) Give give me Taco Bell Order 66. Yes, the Nacho Supreme. Yes,
2: thank you. (laughs) All right, so hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. Today is our special score episode for... Wait a minute. Dave, you're on, so it should be Daredevil, shouldn't it? Well, it should
0: be, but I'm I'm not exactly married to the character. I can see other people. Whoops, we missed that boat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Robinson might feel differently. <laughs> Hello. Hi everybody. Anyway, this is our score episode for X-Men Apocalypse.
4: Score. Oh,
2: score. The shameless coattails <laughs> obligatory no, no. In, writing in, episode. In the weird world where we live in, SCORE is an acronym for shameless ob- obligatory coattail writing episode. Right. Sokri. Yeah, it's it's score. Sokri! Who suggested that? In like another, I like don't. Oh. Kurt Greenfield. Huh. well, thank you, Kurt.
0: Yeah. Sokri!
2: <laughs> Sounds like
0: extreme. Socree. Telling you, man, I could I can make this a thing. I just
1: I could it could go viral. And, you know, So-ri will be the new the new score. You you work
0: on that. I'll just do start it, do it streaming it for hockey okay. games. Just yell it out every time you do an extreme sport. Like I'll yell it out before I go on the lazy river. <laughs> and I flip over on my on my two. So great. Just start screaming it at hockey games. Everybody'll think it's 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 French for score.
2: Okay. Well anyway. Socurry. So Thank you for, oh. field, for turning for, for turning our show into this.
1: We wee monsour. And I'm
2: joined today by the very annoying Dr. Bill Robinson.
1: We wee ha. great.
2: And it is the return engagement for Mr. J. David Weeder, who hasn't been on the show in a while. No, we not
0: since we went to New York. <laughs> Which is weird.
2: Mm-hmm. We we kept trying, but t- the schedules didn't match up.
0: I think the last show proper was an X Men property. Yes, X Men Week. I
1: wasn't think so
2: it? too. <laughs> well, it's it's funny how how this happens though, because when you were in New York last year, funny ha-ha we, or funny strange, strange. funny strange. <laughs> okay. Because we were talking, saying, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna get you on bin soon again, and you were saying, oh yeah, and I want you to come on uh, Dave's Daredevil podcast. We did nothing. <laughs> no. Nothing. And then a demon came on the line. better watch that might be the taco bell again it sounded like it that (laughs) That
0: was (laughs) no it's just yeah i've I've been i'm unorganized i don't know what everybody else's reasons are but i'm completely unorganized
2: Mm, ditto i'm like a runaway train i just keep recording whether you're there or not yeah (laughs) so as as we sit here today though train keeps a podcasting all night long that's right as as we sit here today it is the tuesday before the movie is opening And I'm curious as to what you guys are hearing and what you guys are thinking. I don't know. You think uh, Apocalypse? uh, This is dawning of
3: the age
1: of Apocalypse. I don't know. You think Apocalypse is going to transfer to the screen? I mean, it's looking kind of crazy, like the Apocalypse of the comics were changing size. But that might be a dream. I think that's like a mental thing. Um, You know, I don't know. Is he going to be transmuting himself? I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious as to how he... uh, Well, I I guess it's easy to see how he could appeal to Magneto's darker nature. Duh. But uh, how he lures in Storm and uh, everybody else. Hmm.
2: Well, I'm I'm not so much concerned right now with trying to dissect the story and figure out where they're going with it. That I could sit down in the seat and just let it unfold before me. The problem I have is I don't have a lot of confidence in Brian Singer. Although that's... Yeah, he's doing mm. this one. Mm.
0: Cause I had no feeling at all towards Days of Future Past. And that's actually why I went to see it. I'm like, I have nothing to lose. I have some time to kill. And ended up loving Days of Future Past. I mean, see, I yeah, already I was... accepted we're we're kicking out the original story. Mm. Once you go in with that, it's 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 fine in and of itself. So See it for some surprises. reason
1: I, I was really jazzed for that one and I didn't walk I walked away a little bit dissatisfied. But like I've said before, I was passing a kidney stone while I was watching the movie so that might have had something to do with my uh, not enjoying the movie you mean dick bullets
2: exactly that was one where I enjoyed sitting there watching it but then afterwards when I molded over and thought about it there were certain aspects of it that didn't seem as good to me as they did when I was initially watching it you know there's a di- there's definitely a difference between watching a movie and just letting yourself get enthralled by it and taken into it and just enjoying the moment, and trying to look at it with a critical eye. Hmm. And I thought that that movie fared much better under the former than it did under the latter. And us- usually, I mean, it's not even just for the show, but I find that that's what I do with a lot of movies, is I, I watch them, I just let myself get taken away by it, but then afterwards... I start giving it more thought as to what I saw in there and what concepts and what the acting was like and what the story was like. And sometimes my opinion of the movie elevates afterwards and sometimes it lowers. And it didn't lower tremendously, but I would say it did lower in this one.
0: Yeah, I would say with, for example, Winter Soldier, the, the one from a few years ago, kept going up after I'd seen it because I had no complaints about the movie. Whereas Civil War, if you start deconstructing it, that plot kind of, it's rickety. Do I still enjoy watching the movie? Yes.
2: Will I start tearing it apart? No, because I don't necessarily want to destroy that one. There's certain aspects of Zemo's scheme that just kind of didn't make total sense to me. We talked about that in our Civil War review. But all that said, I really enjoyed that movie. So I don't think it's—I don't think it'll lower by very much at all, if at all. But this one, I don't know. You know, I—I I really thought X Two was one Electro Boogaloo that was going to be the the. One that we were going to compare them all to until First Class came out. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that is, it's like the perfect X-Men movie. I mean, I have so, I, I really don't have any criticisms of that movie at Which all. Which is one of the ones that Brian Singer hasn't done. Exactly. Is, did Was he even a, an
1: executive producer on that?
2: Uh, I think or he had an he... executive producer role, but he certainly didn't have any Cause didn't significant he... role in its production. Which was the one that he left to go to Superman Returns
1: for? That was X Men 3,
0: right? It was X 3. Yeah, it was yeah. the last stand, and you could tell that one. Ah, oh, man, I'm not wired enough. Hold on a second. Is that a lukewarm diet Mountain Dew bill? Room temperature, baby. There you go. Why don't they have any uh, endorsement deals for you? Uh, because I'll be dead before they can- get <laughs> the fulfillment. He's been perfectly
1: preserved by Mountain Dew. <laughs> We replaced all the fluids in his body with Diet Mountain Dew. He'll live forever. So you're like Vance Astro. <laughs> yeah, just just wrap me in tinfoil and yep. shove Diet Mountain Dew into my veins. I think we're no. I know what we're doing for the barbecue. Hey, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Diet Mountain Dew is like one molecule away from formaldehyde anyway. So, I mean, Yikes. it's the same freaking color. Oh, sure. It's probably formaldehyde c- colored dye.
2: Die is being the opposite. (laughs) It's it's no die it. So anyway, you can't die it without die. You can't spell diet without D-I-E.
1: Thud. Oh, what was that? I was just uh, thud, like I just dropped over. Anyway, so apocalypse. Shut my door real quick.
2: So so uh, as I was saying, uh, seeing the commercials for it. First of all, apocalypse looks to me. I I don't know. I I am not so sure I like the, the appearance just doesn't look well, right. he looks pretty close to the comic book. Yeah, but I think I don't know.
0: Even think- even Oscar Isaac admitted he looked goony in that. He looks like Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers. Somebody else hit that on the head. Mm. I can't unsee it.
2: So yeah, so I'm I'm a little concerned about if he's just gonna look silly instead of threatening. And uh I mean, I'm going to keep an open mind. I go into these movies, I want to enjoy them. I don't go in not wanting to. I just don't have very high expectations right now is, I guess, the way it's. But they're
1: going for that 80s comic theme. So, I mean, because the 60s – well, the 60s – first class seemed more like a 1960s theme, not like a 1960s comic theme. And then Days of Future Past seemed like a 70s – you know, it had the 70s vibe, but not, maybe not the 70s comic vibe, but do you think this one is going to have more of the 80s comic vibe with the apocalypse look, or are we going to get... Um, I know we're going to have young Jean Grey, which I don't know if I'm really... I like... You know what? I'm not really thrilled about the actress that plays uh, Sansa? Jean Grey. Yeah. I don't know if it's the character or the or the actress, although recently she has seemed to have gotten a little bit better on, on, on Game of Thrones, but I don't know. I'm curious as to how she's going to play Jean Grey. I mean, yeah,
0: she's got red hair, but... Yeah. We haven't you seen guys... anything to that end. I don't know how any of these characters are going to play except for the ones that we've seen established.
1: Mm. And then we've got a, a young, I, I don't even remember who's playing Young Cyclops. That guy. That guy. But hey, Nightcrawler's
0: in it. And he, they, they found a genius way to incorporate his costume. It's a Michael Jackson jacket, like he wore in Thriller. Hee <laughs> hee. Shimon. Poof. Bamf!
2: <laughs> so I guess we'll have to go and see. It, it's. Do you guys have any expectation as to when you're gonna see it?
1: Not opening. Um, weekend. I mean, it's a mom- yeah Memorial Day weekend's pretty much open. Um, I might go see it Friday or uh, maybe s- no. I'm recording Saturday, so no. I think no. It's Sunday. I'm recording. I don't know. I think so. Sometime this upcoming weekend. If if Ben wants to see it, I'll go see it. If he's not interested, then I may not go see it. But I should probably see it anyway, just for the show.
2: Bite the bullet. I I'm waiting a few to weeks. see it on Saturday.
1: I got a quick question. So did he actually just which I don't know if you'll catch what I'm saying. I was listening to li- this recent listen to the prophets and he was whisp- he was mentioning Wallace Sean and he said Willis Sean and he said he was his brother. And for a moment I was starting to believe him, but then I realized, oh wait a minute. He screwed, up. you know, he he kind of let-
2: It was kind of like when you when you talk about Rudy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which That's- I get which the- thank you for the uh hoop oh who hoop- put who put that up? That that picture of um, Rudy with the James Rhodes figure with all the war machines and the Red Skull in the back saying you're failing. <laughs> My mom even liked it,
2: and she probably has no idea what it means. That was uh, Derek William Crab. Thank you. Or Thank as you. they call him on uh, the Fanhole podcast, Derek W. C.
0: And see, I didn't. I thought you were talking about somebody entirely different for the first couple minutes and i read that issue <laughs> like, who, who's this rudy is this the new secretary this is miss Arbogast
2: not available i i live in my own world i've just learned over the last whatever it is three four years that we've been working together that you just you just roll with dr bill's <laughs> things you try you try and correct him usually you know you, you run the risk of losing a finger or something
1: <laughs> he's a biter <laughs> wash Walsh. So anyway, Ooh, today
2: we've decided to, to look at some X-Men books, and naturally, as is normal for these things, I went truly old school, whereas you guys actually went fairly re- fairly similar in time period with the same book. Yeah. Not with the same issue, but the same series. Right. Well, you know, funny actually doing a score episode about the movie character we're going to be
1: covering <laughs> that's going to be in the movie, just saying... I was kind of like, X-Men 42? What the f- I went with, with a pivotal issue. We're going to have to redefine pivotal. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a pivotal X-Men issue, but, I mean, it is an X-Men movie, but I, I would just have thought you would have something a little bit closer to the time frame
2: and question.
0: Well, so to Paul's credit, he did say any X-book would do. To Paul, there we go, there's a- To Paul.
2: my. my stopped my,
0: up, dude.
2: My Vulcan. <laughs> that's
1: his oh, Vulcan To Paul. Well would I be to Bill? T Bill. T Bill. bill. T Dog.
0: (laughs) No, no, that doesn't go your way if you go T Dog. Die
2: in the third season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Spoilers. Oh yeah, that's
2: right. I forgot about T Dog. Anyway, so X Men books. So I decided I wanted to go for a book back when they used to cost twelve cents. And you two are taking issue with that apparently. Twelve? Twelve cents. New York City oh wait no. I, th- I thought that you're gonna
0: pull a book from when they cobbled them on the stone or put them through the Gutenberg press I wish but the I Steve took, Gutenberg press
2: I went with X-Men number 42 which because it's a
1: life answer to life universe and everything
2: on on the cover of it the title X-Men is significantly smaller than featuring the death of Professor X let's scratch out my first note all right anything else you want to kill for me I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue
0: to kill is everybody on the cover, well, two of the guys seem like, I don't know,
1: like they're this angel and the beast are either happy or angry? Well, I would imagine
2: they're angry, that their mentor is...
1: <laughs> well, the rest right. of them are shocked, but they're like, yeah, it's about time. Oh, sorry.
2: So the, the cover features he was an the floating hats of Marvel Girl, Cyclops, the angel, the beast, and Iceman, uh, all looking in various degrees of upset or anger. Wait, did I just use the word Argent correctly? While we have a silhouette of Professor X dropping dead out of his wheelchair in the center. And then it says, specifically says, not a hoax, not a dream, not an imaginary tale. This is for real. But apparently it was a hoax. <laughs> yeah, p- p- yeah. Uh-huh. It was... What uh, with retcon and all. Professor X, the Alan Funt of uh, Mutantum. <laughs> <laughs> thought it would be funny if everybody thought I was dead for 10 years. Gotcha. Let's look at the videotape. Well, guess what? When I said uh, a few minutes ago, did
1: I use that word correctly? In my head, I used the the right word, but I said the wrong word because I what said... What word was that? Because I generally don't listen I to I said Argent, things. but I meant ardent. Argent
2: so... is the 1970s group that did Hold Your Head Up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is correct. Because <laughs> I just looked it up.
1: I meant to say ardent, being passionate, fervent, zealous. A ardent taskmaster, but I said argent taskmaster. Once again, I strike again. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast.
2: So this Mr. issue came Ar- out in March of 1968, and the cover of which we were just speaking, speaking was drawn by John Busema, the great John Buscema, and inked by Sam Rosen. The story is titled "If I Should Die," and it is written by Roy Thomas. Penciled by not one of my favorites, Don Heck, mm. inked by even less of one of my favorites, George Tusca, lettered by Sam Rosen, and edited by Stanley. Now the credit the cover titles Sam Rosen, but inside he's a letterer. so I don't know if he inked it or if he just lettered the cover. And I'm stealing my synopsis this week from the Marvel database Marvel Wiki database, and it's the synopsis goes something like this. Angel and Iceman are furious that the Professor has disallowed them to join Cyclops and Beast in battling Grotesque. Now Grotesque, I'm interrupting the, the, the synopsis. The subhuman! Gr- Grotesque is a underground dweller who got his name in a similar fashion to the way the Hulk got his name and just, a, just latched right onto it and he was happy with it. He wears kind of a purple outfit. He's got some sort of it looks like a Morlock from... Uh, yeah, I would say that's a good description. He's, he's got like a pallid skin tone and long hair, and he's wearing almost like a Centurion kind of battle skirt thing. He looks think, like the Ultra think, Humanite. Mm, yeah. With Solomon Grundy's head. And
0: yeah, not the big big brain. Yep. Look at the big brain on Grotesque.
1: it's right, grotesque the metric he,
2: system. I anyway. Need, I think he needs a moisturizer or something there. <laughs> when they presented displeasure to Jean, she refuses to allow them to go. When the professor finally exits his study, the other X-Men demand that the professor let them go, and Charles once more refuses, telling Marvel Girl not to allow them to leave. While deep below New York City, Cyclops and the Beast fight grotesque, and during the fight, one of Scott's optic blasts strikes a machine that causes the cavern to fill with radioactive fog. Radioactive. 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 Detecting the Professor attempting to probe his mind, Grotesque believes that it is Xavier who is responsible for the earth tremors that destroyed his kingdom, and he departs to track Charles down. When Cyclops attempts to follow Grotesque through the fog, the Beast pulls him back and warns him against entering the lethal cloud. When Cyclops and the Beast return to the mansion, they also try to seek an audience with the Professor, but Jean keeps them at bay, even going so far as to use her telekinetic powers to keep her teammates away. She then tells the X Men that she has received a mental command from the Professor. The others are upset that they did not receive it, also, to come to the Professor's aid. Grotesque, meanwhile, has sp- smashed his way into a lab where he has detected the pr- Professor's mental probes and finds what he thinks is the device causing the earthquakes, and Dr. Hunt, throwing Hunt. I wonder if his name is Mike. (laughs) Throwing Hunt (laughs) to to destroy the machine, Hunt takes off a fake mask to reveal that he is really Professor X, with the machine attempting to save the world from an earthquake. Now, wait a minute. did he really need a mask? Couldn't he have just put a wig on? Yeah, that's one of the things. Well, whatever. Sorry. A grotesque possible... Where was I? Again? With the machine attempting to save the world from earthquakes and Grotesque's possible tampering likely to cause the destruction of mankind, the Professor keeps Grotesque stunned with his mental powers until the other X-Men arrive. However, not before Grotesque can start the device to send vibrations into the Earth's core. Angel is the first to arrive with mirrors to reflect light into the light-sensitive cavern dweller's eyes. As Cyclops, Beast, Angel, and Iceman fight grotesque, Marvel Girl is ordered to stop the machine, but finds that the lever is jammed in position. As the battle rages, the Professor and Marvel Girl combine their mental powers to bombard the machine, causing its effects on the Earth to slow down. However, they are not slowing down fast enough, and the Professor, telling Jean to stay back, gets closer to the machine to affect it more effectively. Meanwhile, Grotesque throws Angel into the other X-Men, allowing him a chance to break away from the fight and try to speed up the process of the machine. Pushing the Professor aside, Grotesque slams his fists into the machine. Instead of causing it to complete its job, it instead explodes, seemingly killing Grotesque. Good job, Grotesque. Checking the rubble, the X-Men find that their victory has come at a cost. The Professor has been mortally wounded. With his dying words, the professor explains Grotesque's story and confesses to his students that he himself was dying of a fatal illness and hence his secrecy. The professor then passes away, and although the X-Men have saved the Earth, they have suffered a most tragic loss. Oh.
0: He gets better.
2: He does get better, but <laughs> at this time it was intended to be permanent. It was more along the lines of... I, I, I see it as similar in its own way to uh, Jerry Conway killing off Gwen Stacy, just seeing, seeing her as extra baggage, baggage for the Spider-Man comic, and, and Roy Thomas seeing Professor X as kind of the deus ex machina who they always go to to solve every problem. With a mind so wipe. Eliminating him in his, you know, in his plans would put them on their own and, and maybe make the stories more interesting. But I guess eventually they found the dynamic of the school and having the professor lead them was positive. Cause about 20 issues from now they decide let's bring Professor X back.
0: <laughs> I think this is right after this. Shortly after this is when the the extraordinary X-Men or the all new X-Men that Bendis wrote that they get plucked out of time.
2: No, they get po- plucked out of time much earlier than this. Oh, okay. That's that's around I think it's around issue five or six of the original. Run that they get pulled out. Did that get wiped away with
1: the new stuff
2: or is that still ongoing? That I don't.
1: Well,
0: no, they're still in the present.
1: Well, I mean, I don't. I thought that happened pre Secret War, the recent Secret Wars and the changing of the Marvel Universe. I didn't know if they were still
0: I don't know how much they wiped away since they did that. I'm but not really up, didn't, what I've been reading speed. so far. They haven't wiped away a lot. Hmm. Spider-Man for sure is, is pretty much picking up where it left off oh, and okay. not, not necessarily for the better.
2: Hmm. And of hey, course, you still of lost some of its four. luster to me over time. But what's that, Paul? I said Spider-Man has kind of lost some of its luster for me in the Dan Slott run now. Yeah. I liked it a lot for a while, and now it's ever since they ended the Superior Spider-Man run, it's it's kind of lost some of it for me. I enjoyed Superior Spider-Man for what it was.
0: It was a it was a gimmick. Nobody had any doubt about that, and it was a it was a pretty decent read. But it just
2: was, it ground down to a, a pretty stark halt at that point. Like I said, I was good with it for for that run, and then they brought back Peter, and I don't know. It just seemed like Slot Slot didn't have much to say with the character unless he turned him into Tony Stark.
0: Yeah, and that's that's continued so far.
2: But this is not a Spider-Man score episode. This is an X-Men one. And uh,
0: speaking of ugly costumes, how about that Angel
2: outfit? Yeah, that's. Does your mama dress your boy before you go out now? Angel has not. Angel has had many, many costumes. Not too many of them were, were all that good. I always what? thought the simple,
0: the simple bodysuit with either red or blue and the halo on the chest. I oh, think yeah. that's
2: probably the best one. Yeah, I easily. like the blue one. Just well, they, they did the blue one originally when that costume was first introduced, and then uh, I think it was under.
1: Oh, I under thought the red one. Burn and
2: Claremont first. that they brought the red one in.
0: Yep, they would, and they would alternate. I like them both. I just like
2: that design for him. But the the suit he had on in this, the one he had on when he was in the Champions, there's some. There's some bad cost- bad outfits in there. What was, the, what, was the, what was the champion suit? It was another That was the red with yellow suspenders. Oh, really? Oh, I thought right. it
0: was more open chested than this. It was similar to this, but with an open chest, if I remember correctly.
2: Oh,
1: so he was, uh, he was angel from the village people?
2: Yep. <laughs> mm. Well, you got to remember the time period, too. In the 70s, that would have been the look. The open chest. Think of the Submariner's costume. What speedo and wings? No, no. When when he got when he got the the black. Oh, when he had the black vest. The the chest was wide open. Oh, yeah. And then uh, even Luke the night costume in the early eighties. Luke Cage with his shirt. Sweet Christmas. Exactly.
1: So page fourteen is Professor in the middle the panel with the close up of Professor X's face. How did you read the word radiation?
4: <laughs>
1: radiation. Star Trek Two. There, Ship have you sea. seen that yet, Russell? <laughs> Leave Russell alone. What are you, Russell spokesman, for, like the guy for Britney Spears? Leave Russell alone.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm no Chris Crocker. This, this,
2: some, this, this is not my art team here. Don Heck and George Tusker Just, ugh. but I would say, looking at it, it looks to me like the layouts are better than the final product. So I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna blame some of it on the inking. I'm gonna blame a Gene, lot of it on the inking. Gene seems to come out
0: okay. The rest of the characters, it's like they're trying to be Kirby, but well, I know they probably were. They're probably ordered to be, but mm. they don't quite. Especially the opening reach page it. with Angel's got a Kirby-esque look, but it doesn't quite pull it off. Yeah, it's like Willis Kirby, Kirby's long-lost brother. <laughs> it's just not quite as good.
2: Well, I, I, go I hear he was Jack's stunt double. <laughs> look at a grotesque face at the bottom left panel on page three. <laughs>
0: Hey, stop that.
2: Oh, <laughs> he looks, stop he's getting me. punched in the face and looks kind of disinterested. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a nap now.
0: Did I leave the oven on?
2: <laughs> Although um, I, I I do like on page four, the bottom three panels, the way they kind of progress into each other. Mm. I think kinda that's a like decent layout. A
0: triptych. They're one image, but split up. Well, no, they're not quite one image, are they?
2: Yeah, two of them are
1: the same image, but, yeah. but it kind of leads. It's still...
2: I think they may have been drawn to be one image, but between the inking and the coloring, they changed it to, yeah. to change the third panel. I like the uh, page two. Jean Grey's really striking a pose there. Yeah, she is.
0: Oh, yeah. And and, and Warren seems to notice. Hey. Like, he, he seems to be less angry all of a sudden. Well, well look where him and Iceman are both looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's like, I'm up here. I'm up here. Oh, poor My Jean Grey.
2: She's the Molly
0: Ringwald of the group. <laughs>
2: I also I do like on page eight the sequence with Professor X fighting off uh, grotesque.
0: now see I had to I have to admit I, I had to read this issue twice. The first time I went through I kind of thought I was with it, and then I kind of thought about it after. I'm like, what did I just read? And I don't know I don't know that that chalks up to the art or the fact that this is kind of a a, a simple story stretched out over not quite full length but close. Yeah, it's not even a full issue. No, but it wouldn't. This would be. For example, an a-, a third act of a single issue. If you take it down to simply the beats.
2: Yeah.
1: Sorry, I was just scanning t- to the other story with.
0: The Living Diamond. I need some money. Let me break my finger off. It's like Neil Diamond. <laughs> if Neil Diamond was a mutant.
2: <laughs> Turn on your hot light. <laughs> oh. If you uh, if you go to the the last panel on page twelve, can somebody please explain to me how the angel survived that? Oh,
0: Oh, getting... Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's what was
0: uh, happening. So he's spinning him around like he's a, a fan blade, so his spine should be he's spaghetti. Like, he's like he, he's like Bugs Bunny.
1: I used air brakes.
2: He's And he's spinning him so fast you can't even see him.
1: <laughs> he would be unconscious if he's spinning that fast. What is he spinning him by? I mean, what is he like... Did he's like, did he grab his leg? Yeah, I guess he was holding his leg. If he's spinning that hard, he should have just, like,
0: snapped his leg, you know, like... I think it's his head, because in the previous panel, he's being thrown head first at at Oh, grotesque. he's grabbing his
2: wing. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking he's got him by a wing, Ooh. which he should just rip right out of his back by doing that, which would yep. take us into apocalypse. pocket. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but now, <laughs> why did Professor X need a, a costume, a mask? Plot. Couldn't he just use his mental powers to make them think he looked like whatever he wanted them to look like? Look, if he wants to parade around like Mike Hunt, he's more than happy to.
0: No, that's unethical. Professor X would never do anything unethical, like be attracted to a minor female or Thank mind you, white people at random. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, Professor X is like the original Bill Cosby. <laughs> I almost shot Diamond Dew out my nose. Oh, sorry, don't do not do that. <laughs> Professor X is a scary dude. Right, welcome to Professor X's school for a gifted youngsters. <laughs> We're going to learn about the danger room and the zibbity zip bop when you're done with the
1: danger room, i show you my pudding pops. That's so not think, a euphemism. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so just just to get on to this one again, I, I, think, I think this is, you know, as I said, I think it was Roy Thomas' efforts to eliminate Professor X, and I think to some extent his, his efforts to make it uh, epic or bombastic kind of fell flat. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that's, that's what he true. was going for.
0: I can see it. That, I mean, these characters are getting older. You've seen them progress from... You know, they had the single uniform. They were definitely teenagers. Now they're young adults. They have individual identities, which is seen here on the individual costumes. So he was trying to move it down the down the board. That's a fast jump in forty two issues, though.
2: No, well, by then Spider uh, Parker
0: had uh, graduated
2: That's high school, true.
1: was on to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't plan that these are going to be around for another fifty years.
2: And and X Men traditionally at this point had never been well. This was going to go in the seller. reprints pretty soon
1: after this too. What After was 66, there's still a little yeah. ways to go. Oh, that's true. Okay.
2: Yeah, but it, it had never been a big seller. At this point, they were doing the split issue with the origins of the X-Men. And then, basically, this, this is a point where, as we noted on the cover, the subject matter of the issue dwarfs the actual title of the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and, and that was going on for a little while. Uh, I, I think it was the next issue was the X-Men featuring the power of Magneto. And then... Uh, I think there was another one with Quicksilver. Then they went on to uh, split up the team temporarily, and you had one issue with Beast and Iceman. You had one issue with Cyclops, and then we soon after that we'd get to the uh, the
1: rebirth with. Well, I call, I don't guess I shouldn't say rebirth, but when when Neil Adams came along, and it kind of really pulled it up a you, notch. And before you
2: got to Neil Adams, you actually had I think two issues, may have been one, but I think it was two issues by Barry Windsor Smith. Was that the Polaris one? I believe so. Yeah. No, I'm curious about that. And then so- he had Neil Adams come on, and you know that revived it a little bit. Then when they revived, when they brought Professor X back, I think that was when they they actually had Don Heck trying to draw like Neil Adams. So- with varying extents of success or not. Apparently, my washing machine didn't like that back there. Dr. Bill's Chinese laundry is in full. <laughs> swing sweet, I me. thought it was your bladder for a minute.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I thought you were in the tub. You're like, I'm done with this bath.
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. Yes, my plumbing is working again. Uh, it's not clogged. Oh, good. And they weren't snakes. <laughs> well, there you was a have snake. But, snakes. I, uh, but I was glad to see that snake. And now everything's flowing nicely out of the house. Was we'll it Reggie. He was my pet snake, Reggie. I sent him
2: in when he unclogged a drain for me. All right. So, I mean, what what was your overall impression on this book, guys? I, it didn't move me. It it didn't hit me negatively or positively. It was just like, oh, that that happened. It was very middle of the road. Which which is a failure. Because if you have the death of a significant character, even with the, the foreknowledge of the fact that they're going to bring him back, but what if, a death of a significant character should at least move you in its presentation.
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: is it a good thing that they were
1: able to kill them off in 14 pages of story or was it a bad thing? It just seems like it's, you know, kind of, I don't know, I guess rushed or excuse me, 15 pages of story. It just, yeah, it's just, it's not the, you know, I mean, the cover portrays more angst and, you know, fear or anxiety than the actual story does. It's, I don't know. it's, just, Yeah, it's just kind of flat for me.
2: Mm-hmm. well. Sadly, I Uh, can't argue with you. When I read this... I'm not slamming
1: your choice. I'm just just like... eh.
2: I first read this in the reprint era. Era. uh, Which was just a few months before they introduced the new X-Men. But at the time, I I thought it was... Let's just say my opinion then was much higher of it than my opinion now. Yeah. So whatever I was, 13-year-old. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: You're more impressionable. Where are
0: you going with that, Bill?
1: (laughs) No, no, I meant as you years and years and decades of comic reading you 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 go back and read something it may not you know hit you as much now because you've seen the art and the storytelling progress and you come to expect something different whereas you know some of these stories were more simple uh in the past They're, they made they may, they may not hold up to the seasoned
0: comic reader nowadays perhaps
1: i guess my washer didn't like that either Wait for the shake <laughs>
0: There
2: you go. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm gonna rate this thing. Give it a rating. Uh, I think the cover is the best part of the book. <laughs> John Buscema. Yeah. I think everybody's face looks pretty cool. Uh, but I think he took the easy way out by going with the silhouette. And I also think. Uh, it looks profess-
1: like uh, Ironside or something. Yeah. You
2: know, Professor's Ironside right leg looks a little wonky. So. Well, I guess uh, Ironside. Ironside.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: you
2: know, it almost it almost looks like he has a hoof on the right leg. He's a satyr. <laughs> and it's, it's very busy with the words on it. Uh, I'm going to say the cover gets a C plus, B minus. Uh, I'm going to say a B minus. The interior art, I think some of the layouts are fairly strong. And the storytelling is decent. But the actual final product is not very strong at all. And considering it's two of my lesser favorite artists, uh, I'm not surprised when you think of it that way. I'm going to give the interior art just a, a flat C. And the story, considering the subject matter, I think Roy could have done much better with this. I think there's a lot of little story elements that happen because they can or because he needed them to to progress the story. And there's a lot of just convenient dialogue. And then, yeah, okay, he's dead. Let's all cry. Um, didn't really... Serve the purpose that I think it was meant to. So I'm going to say a C minus on the story. And overall, I'll give the book a C. I'll go. I uh,
0: Cover wise, I think the idea is much, much better than the execution. If you take it down to the core idea of a silhouette of Professor X, the way you described it Professor X's silhouette, the reactions of the characters on the aside, good idea, lackluster. So I'm actually going to go just a notch lower and give it a C minus. Uh, interior art, like you said, the layouts were great they just never they never gelled they never quite completely came together so i'll give interior art i'll go with a c-minus on that as well and story there wasn't much story there was the idea there was something that was set out to be accomplished it was accomplished but did i feel moved or upset or at any time did my pulse go up it did not so i'm gonna give i'm gonna go ahead and stick with the c-minus theme and just give it a c-minus across the board because it's not terrible it just never really goes and tries to be anything other than mundane
1: um yeah the cover is the best part um of this book uh, aside from the little bit of wonkiness on professor x um now i now in, in the story it was saying that he was using mechanical legs i guess at this time too because at one point he stands up and he's but i didn't really remember he had mechanical legs at this point or like maybe just braces did you catch that part in the story when he's uh
2: Yes, he's walking with the braces that he put on his
1: legs. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. As my washing machine powers down in the background. Um, yeah. So the cover, I'm gonna give the cover a. Uh, I gave it a B minus, and like you guys are saying, some of the layouts are look good. You know, like we've got that one panel that goes that bleeds into the other, but the art just kind of. Brings it down, and the story's just um, hokey. And I'm well, not hokey. It just—I don't know. It just doesn't really. We could sit here and pick this apart all night, but uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and give it. Um, I'm going to give it a C minus on the art and a C for the story. So I guess overall, that puts me right at a C book overall. Could Easy, be worse.
4: Hmm.
2: Could be worse. Could be raining. <laughs> All right, now with my old-time book out of the way... Old-timey oh, Paul Spataro book. It's time to get into a more modern book. And I think, Bill, you have the earlier of the two?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, my I My memory
2: have is correct?
1: X-Factor 25, and maybe Dave can help me with filling in a little backstory for anybody who's not familiar. Um, from what I, Because uh, I didn't go back and read the first 24 issues, but I remember from reading, because I was getting these when they were coming out, and basically X-Factor at the time... The original X-Men after finding Jean Grey, I believe it was in like uh, Fantastic Four 263, 267,
0: somewhere Somewhere around there. there. And and there was also an Avengers issue that tied into that. Right. They had found a cocoon at the bottom of um, Jamaica Bay
1: and found that the original Jean Grey, the um, Phoenix Force had stuffed her in a cocoon and did a photocopy of her psyche and it was actually a construct of the phoenix that died and not the original jean grey and so she came back the original x men got back together and formed a group called x factor to where they posed as people going out and capturing mutants when in reality they were actually finding them and training them then they on a the flip side they posed as a group called the exterminators and um, to I guess, lure these mutants out or just it was, it was a really, little bit convoluted. And then you figure out later that it was all put up by the guy that had helped them form Cameron Hodge to basically discredit the mutants themselves. Basically, they were duped. So along uh, the way, we had uh, Angel had through a battle with the Morlocks, had lost his wings, was in a state of depression and ended up um, looking like he had committed suicide. But he really didn't. It was a big ruse uh, that Hodge had actually tried to have him killed with a group called the Right, And Apocalypse had actually beamed him out of the plane before it blew up and gave him metallic wings and made him one of his horsemen. Is that pretty vague there, Dave?
0: Pretty much. Pretty much you got it.
1: All All the necessary points. Okay. And I think just prior to this issue... Beast had been infected by one of uh, Apocalypse Horsemen because he has four mutants that he powers up and makes him his four horsemen of the Apocalypse. And I believe Pestilence had infected Beast so that the more he uses his strength, the dumber he gets. Yep. Okay.
0: So that. And by the his... way, he's Beast is back to his human form, or the semi-human form. Yeah, because that had happened long. just
1: before... or. Did that happen the first issue of X-Factor or a little bit before Short, that? Shortly
0: thereafter, shortly after.
1: Right, he, he turned himself back to his normal, you know, so they actually all looked like their original, um, somewhat like their original X-Men, you know, slight variations on their original u- uniforms. Uh, so we pick up with X-Factor 25, which came out, and this information comes from Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. The cover date is February 1988. The on-sale date was October 27th, 1987 and cover price was a dollar 25 and um our writer is louise simonson penciler is walt simonson anchor is bob wycheck letter is joseph rosen colorist is petra scutessi maybe <laughs> editor is bob harris and our story is judgment day <clears throat> Oh, and by the way, I lifted this. Uh, much like Paul, I was a lazy booger and uh, lifted this synopsis from the uncanny X-Men.net, And I thank them for their uh, concise synopsis, which is often something I don't do. They have a full summary. I can read that if you like, but it'll be a while. But anyway, let me you get back reading to somebody
2: else's summary. You managed to make it take long.
1: <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I think it means what I just said. Judgment Day. Apocalypse's horsemen take off for Manhattan, intent on causing mayhem and destruction. Uh, mayhem. X-Factor, restrained, is unable to help. Beast uses some of his remaining brain power and figures out a way to get Iceman free, who in turn sets his teammates loose. They battle with Apocalypse, and he manages to get Cyclops and Marvel Girl sucked out of the ship. Gene and Scott go after the remaining horsemen down in Manhattan. First off is Pestilence, who gets away. Then Gene goes for famine and Scott goes for war. Both of their both of their battles are incomplete when Apocalypse teleports them away. Back on the ship, Iceman and Beast go after En Sabinur Sabinur Apocalypse <laughs> That guy. That guy. The guy with the face and the lips and the funny voice.
0: Anyway, Beast- Cosby again.
2: Then <laughs> my four horsemen out the apocalypse. and the looks and the face. The so face. Most of the Apocalypse's
0: plot involves like picture page. <laughs> now Apocalypse has got the picture pages. <laughs> With his page and his pencil.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Apocalypse on his way. <laughs> it's Apocalypse in it the- Anyway. Beast rips out a piece of the ship's wall, which causes the cloaking mechanism to fail and the ship's stabilizers to go offline. With the ship in a tailspin, Gene and Scott decide to return to the ship to try and help. They run into death and have a brief scuffle. I guess you could call it that. They continue towards the ship, which hits the antenna on top of the Empire State Building. Ooh, foreboding. We might actually go there in a few weeks. Uh, Gene holds uh, holds it in the air, but Warren comes flying through and slices it in half. But actually, they were already holding it, and I think Power Pack was helping, but then he slices it. You know, the, the synopsis is a little bit out of uh, kilter. It says, and then it says, at this time, Power Pack shows up and lends a hand, which actually they showed up before. Back on the ship, Iceman and Beast managed to surprise Apocalypse. Burr, surprise! It's a party for me! So he takes it So he takes it up a notch and has Warren teleported to the flight, fight because actually he says, you're on to the second level. This makes it sound like it's a video game. Uh, With Death gone, Scott and Gene head back to the ship, leaving Powerhack behind to watch over the city. War and Death go after X-Factor and Iceman comes up with a plan to snap Warren out of Apocalypse's hold. They continue battling with Iceman, nowhere to be seen. Then Warren spots him and goes in for the kill, shattering him in his ice form. Luckily, it was only an ice sculpture, but the trick worked and Warren realizes what he's doing. Now X-Factor's back together and they go after Apocalypse. He escapes though and war ca- with with war, huh, good god y'all, and Caliban in tow X-Factor decides to stay in the ship and try and stabilize it luckily it lands in the bay and turns over on top of their former headquarters crunch, a gaggle of news people wait outside to interview them, the team publicly declares the truth about X-Factor and Psychops gives the message to humans everywhere not all mutants are evil, we're just highly highly destructive when we battle oh wait, no he doesn't say that You can kind of gleam that from the, uh, you know, the story. And one of the nice things about this is that there's a lot of, uh, during this book, there's a lot of, um, we got the little captions saying, go see this, this issue and go see that issue to where some of the, um, horsemen disappear. Um, like I believe famine goes off to a Captain America issue. I think it was like three, yeah three thirty nine, and then power. And then they say, uh, you know, go to Power Pack 34 for, for to see what happened with this other character. So they kind of—it's nice that they kind of tie this into the to the rest of the Marvel universe. That it's just, you know, much like like we say, you know, nowadays or like in some of the Marvel movies. Well, well, where was so and so when this was happening, and why didn't they ha- help out? In this case, they actually do have other heroes help out, which is a nice nice little you know,
2: coherency. Coherency is that a word? Yeah, that's of the somewhat. Marvel universe. Not so shook. I, I I think you're thinking more like cohesive. Cohesive, Co- showing the cohesiveness, coherency. I bet you that's a word. No, I won't bet money on it either. Just not fitting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fitting. <laughs> so we got we got um, the Walt Simonson art. I, I like the cover, but there was some times on the inside. I wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. I don't know. I really like him on Thor. I don't can't say that I like him as much on X Factor. See, I, I liked him on X Factor. I'm not saying I disliked him. I just liked him more on Thor and like when, oh, and when I, he was. I'll agree
2: with that. He and was when more he suited was,
0: to Thor.
1: And when he does, uh, when he was doing Orion with the new gods, doing that stuff. I, I, I,
2: I think that, that Walt Simonson's style is more fitting for. Kirby? For an out, out, <laughs> out of you know, outer worldly or out of this world type thing. And and he's less suited for earthbound stuff
1: for mundane things like he's not big, that this
2: is mundane
1: but well but he's more bombastic I, I guess
2: he's his it, it has more of like a fantasy feel to it so I, I did not think as highly of Simonson's at work not that the quality went down but it just didn't seem to no fit no well I don't
1: think the yeah it's just this it's
2: just, or with the Fantastic Four even
1: I mean it kind of fits when you're in Apocalypse's ship and you see it. But when it's, like like you're saying, the mundane things, the crown shots, it just doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't seem as, as, uh it just doesn't fit for me. He's, he's
0: meant for bigger things.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Oh, there are, for example, Cyclops as a character, that, his Cyclops always stood out to me because of the way the visor had different angles. Like it wasn't as rounded as you'd seen it before. Mm-hmm. It actually looked more three-dimensional because it had things you would see on technology of the time. Because back then, kids, dear millennials, our, comp- our televisions weren't flat. Can Some I of them this, didn't even have Say colors. it so, Dave. Yep. I didn't know that the pipes in Mar- Super Mario Brothers were green until I was 14 years old. That part's not a joke. Actually, I had to play it on a black and white television. So, black it's and always- white. <laughs> what is this that you speak of? Is that like a? Is that an Instagram filter? No, but <laughs> I, I liked I liked that his tech. It's called looks, Sephiotone. <laughs> his tech looks three dimensional. You were mentioning the ship, and you know that's that's the bigger than life stuff. Mm-hmm. But his cityscapes don't quite have that same oomph. Right. So I'll, I'll, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, the ship is pretty.
1: Uh, just I remember the ship, and then I, actually the ship will come into play later, and it might actually I remember. Is it come into play in your book that much? uh no not really just a little bit but there but there was a point you know because it's a sentient ship and they you know it becomes their new he- headquarters after this as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't remember if down the road this sh- like apocalypse takes the ship back over and turns it against them
0: uh, yeah, so- i believe he does right before doesn't that, the ship that... sacrifice itself to uh, yeah because that's it, right it's part of when uh when scott's Son got sent away and became. Cable. Oh, so we're talking like in the issue, like sixty something. Sixty something, yeah. Yeah, sixty something something. You know those? We don't keep those in our heads. Numbers? Who needs them? Bah. So, Paul, did you did you
2: read X Factor at the time it was coming out? I did when it first started coming out, and this is about the time where I was falling out of. I think this is just after the time when I fell out of comics altogether for a while. So I was not reading this at this point. When it first started coming out, was kind of my the tail end of my initial comic collecting run.
0: Gotcha. That's kind of what I did. I, I mean, I had a few early issues. The thing is, I came back around this shortly after this, or right around this time, and there's Archangel.
4: <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's a I,
0: heck of a leap. I fell out of comics
1: uh, a little bit after this. So what, this came out in October, I think about four or five months later. Um. Like in '88, about April, I was actually getting ready to go in the Navy. So then I was kind of out of comics for like a good year and a half, and kind of had to come back into it later when I, you know, got kind of settled in and, and had a, back in. Had a semi-normal life, you know, to where I could actually store some stuff with me and have a place to put things. So. Because comic books take up a lot of space eventually if you find yeah. a lot of them.
0: Now, I just didn't know if you got Because I vaguely remember Fall of the Mutants. I remember, especially remember the Captain America issue you were talking about. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Know. I, I, I know I
1: haven't read a lot of the crossovers with the ones that they mentioned with Power Pack and Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I just
0: remember the main storyline stuff. Power Pack. I actually became a fan of Power Pack late in life. That's right. I'm saying it. And I mean yeah. it. I'll stand I'm by well it. It was also written by Louis Simonson, by the way. There was a horse alien in that. Anyway, there are aliens in this. Well, yeah, it was the one no, from.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the, no, that's right. I, I was thinking, I was thinking Beta Ray Bill. Sorry.
0: Yeah. He was a it,
1: kind of horse face alien, but those different horse. Yeah, aliens. no,
0: the Power Pack did involve the origin involved a, a pretty blatant horse, like he's from Brave Star.
1: For those
2: right. that and the
0: they were fighting the Snarks. Something like that.
2: Yeah. Wasn't no, a
0: breakfast I,
1: cereal? No, I think you're thinking the Snorks. No, I think they were fighting the Snark was like the name of the alien race that our pack was going up against. Not to be confused with Snarf, which would be Snarf from Thundercats.
0: Oh. But but because Louise Simonson was writing them, you would see her bring them into this. You would see them, and since Walt Simonson was on Thor, you would see them wander over there. So they were a Simonson exclusive. This issue was weird. This is supposed to be the finale of Fall of the Mutants. And the first half of it seems really exciting. And then it starts to sag right after that for just a little bit. Because the action is so all over the place, it's hard to follow. Yeah. It, yeah.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure if some and of that was from based on the fact that I hadn't read the other issues. Or if this issue just kind of lacked some of that cohesiveness that one might look for in an issue. <laughs> what are you trying See to say? Get there.
1: <laughs> well, there was a lot of uh, retreading of, of plot because Apocalypse basically retreads the whole plot of X Factor from the start of the book on like two pages.
0: Well, that was something that would have been normal in the X books at the time because A, they were very insular and B, they were under the impression that there would be new readers each month. So they wanted to make sure it was as open as possible. But I can't imagine somebody jumping in with this issue.
1: No. We get a Ronald Reagan cameo. Yes, we do. We get Ronnie. In a cowboy hat, no less.
0: Actually, we have we have a picture hanging at my work of Ronald Reagan in a cowboy hat. A framed picture.
1: That's when he's mentioning the humans have authorized a mutant registration act. And there's old Rappin' Ronnie. Well, gonna have to register those
0: mutants. <laughs> I don't remember Reagan being quite as cuz you, you see over in legends that there was something similar going on and I, and I don't remember Ronald Reagan being quite that discriminatory.
2: He was very anti-mutant. <laughs> well,
0: I know I know in my yeah, in our in our real world history he was very anti-mutant, but No, wait a minute. <laughs> Except that he wasn't. <laughs> Was Bobby wearing a belt, some type of belt? Yeah, his powers started going out of control. Oh, is this where that happened? I thought that that happened. Yeah. I thought that had something to do with the White Queen. No, she actually... She made him suddenly become all ice. Because here yeah. he's he's coated in ice, but she started amping up his powers. The White right, Queen Did she was... take
1: over Psyche and actually was able to use his powers better than he could? Yeah, and she discovered just
0: how powerful he was. But right. here something happened where his powers started getting more and more out of control, so they had to be monitored. Like an inhibitor. Yep. And that was something I was going to mention is that the Beast does the, the, the way they escape is ingenious. Beast just get crunches up a little bit of the metal, flicks it at that belt, so Iceman's powers go completely bonkers. Mm. And it's like one of those moments, like, wow, that's well thought out, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and well apparently played. he's using up his what what intelligence he has left yep. as he, the, you know, the, the stronger he gets, the dumber he gets.
0: And I don't remember if if any of his intelligence slowly ebbed back or not, or if it just remained dumb.
1: Well, I mean eventually I'm sure it came back. I just don't know where or when.
0: Well, down the road after this he does become blue again.
1: And then eventually but, he becomes And then, a then he cat. becomes
2: more ape like.
0: Yeah.
1: Ape like? I thought he was cat. Was cat like, I mean, yeah. It's yeah. like a lion. Yeah, I don't I don't like that look.
0: Alvin likes that look. Alvin's a fan. <laughs> Right, do we have anything more on this one? No, this one was, I mean, it was straightforward. It was an action book. The art was acceptable, but I have to take it through before I give a letter grade.
2: Well, little, yeah, I'm, why I'm don't just, we let Dr. Bill take the first crack at that? Yep. All right, cover? Wow.
1: I like the cover. Uh, you know, it's Simonson. It really, there's not much else to say on that. Uh, I didn't really... Wasn't sure Jean Gray's hair was quite that long.
2: Yeah, would be, more that, like that would be Risa. like about, about down to a thigh yeah she looks like
1: medusa with that hair i mean because if you were to flop that down yeah you're right it, that hair would be going to her thigh not that i have any problem with that but um you're a big fan of the crystal gale look well well that and it makes my red, brown
2: eyes blue baby
1: oh, yes man, red hair that long Oof. oh boy medusa take me honey oh sorry um so the cover for me it's not iconic so i can't really like push it up into that status but I will give it a B plus a minus for that, the interior art other than you know, like we said before, the, some of the main, the mundane doesn't come through as well as the extraordinary. Um, I will still give the art a B and the story, you know, as this was wrapping up at this point the, the mutants and driving off apocalypse temporarily. Um, I will give the story, a B as well. So overall, this I give this book A B for Mr. Bombastic. Baka Fantastic.
0: Apocalopa Lova.
2: You want to go, Dave, or you want me to go?
0: Oh, You go ahead. I'm still mulling over a couple points.
1: Right. Oh, wait.
2: As, you, as you mull.
0: Austin Sound Effect,
1: page 18. Wham! 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 You gotta put those, you know, you got those, uh, I, I don't know if Walt Simonson asked for those certain sound effects. You know, like, if he writes them in, or, or if uh, Louise did it, but uh, you know, I was like a good Krakathoom. I'm, I'm a fan reading. of the
0: Krakathoom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a there's a crack doom in here on page 16.
0: That's something indicative of, of Walt Simonson because that comes directly from his Thor run. Somebody's yeah. doing some hammering on some euro metal. Uru, dang it. <laughs> Try talking when you're stopped up. Uru. <laughs> there's crack Kroom on
1: 23 when they shear off the antenna of the Empire State Building
0: let's hope that doesn't
1: happen yeah that that would really be bad i'm not cool with
0: heights already if an antenna's falling i'm just gonna go ahead and fall with it and pray (laughs) like let's just get this over with (laughs) anyway
1: i'll stop
2: interrupting your yeah sorry paul that's all right uh i like the cover i think it's pretty solid the beast looks like he's very contentedly it's to sleep well he is a little addle minded yeah i
1: guess oh i see he actually yeah that's right he is sleeping he's
2: it's nappy time for. He just looks comfortable, laying on rubble, sleeping.
1: Oh, the steel girder is so comfortable.
2: Um, the cover almost looks a little too monochromatic for me, except for you know a couple of little splashes here and there. Gene Gray's costume and a couple other little spots. It's very blue and purple.
1: Well, it's purple. The sky is purple because the ship is blocking out the sky.
2: Mm-hmm. But you can't necessarily
0: dis- disseminate the ship itself from the sky. And yeah. that's yeah, there's that little logo and such there, there but yeah.
1: Yeah, they could have made that, that, that like sliverous guy down there a little bit lighter blue.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think there could have been some some choices with the color palette that would have helped it a little. But there might be a storm rolling in. But I, but I think the cover is, is pretty well done. Uh, overall, I'm going to say a B plus on the cover. I think it's solid and it would entice me to buy it, despite the fact that this thousands of year old guy feels the need to put a big A on his belt buckle. Um, Is that frowned upon? It's just silly. It's like when Galactus had the big G on his. Hey, man. The interior art, i not quite (laughs) as high on it. I I, I like Walt Simonson, despite the fact that a lot of things in his style go against what I traditionally like. Uh, The pencils are usually very, very loose, and anatomy isn't really a huge consideration in his mind. But I usually enjoy his stuff, and I enjoyed this one. I just don't think it's his best work. I'm going to say a B minus on the interior art and the story as a standalone issue. I did kind of feel like I was a little lost on this one. So I'm also going to say a B minus on, on the story and I'll give the book overall a B. I don't
0: think I'm too far off. Uh, Cover wise. I agree with you on the color palette that it, it took a while to disseminate that that was the ship there. Um, Also, and this is just my anal retentive mind, but that's what I'm bringing to the table. Part of me thinks that this should be centered, that it should be symmetrical. He he should be shifted over a little bit? (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Because this looks like it should be joining in with a, like an adjoining cover Mm. on the left-hand side. It feels like it's part of a multi-cover thing, and it might have been, but I don't recall that.
1: I don't think so.
0: But overall, I mean, the the components are fine. They're a little off. Um, Like you said, Marvel Girl's hair is a little long, but I'm not worried about that. 'll I'll give it a I'll go with a B because the parts that were there are fine. They just need to be separated out a little bit differently. Um, interior art, I have to agree with Paul. I mean this is a little bit scattered. It's more the layouts than anything that just don't work. I think there was too much story to put into this many pages. So it's like a, a crossover that came up to a you know climax, but we didn't quite have enough room to really do the climax right. So I'll give the art. I'm going to give that a B plus because that's more story based. So with the story, I'm going to go with a B because of the aforementioned reasons that it was 10 tons of crap were put in a five ton container. (laughs) So I'll give it, I mean, I'll average it out to a, to a solid B.
2: All right. And that's X factor number 25. And then we'll move on to our final book of the night. Yep. Which is
0: X factor number 34.
2: Now, Interestingly, before you get to this one, I recently did a comic book uh, store on free comic book day. I did a fill-up-a-short-box-for-one-price trip, and this is one of the books that I walked away with that day.
1: Ooh. Mm.
0: Score!
2: Score! score.
1: Oh. Oh. Picked Sucre! Up a, picked
2: up a score
0: book. A Sucre book.
2: Ooh. Yes, that too.
0: Um, this is the November 1988 issue. Uh, it is entitled Death! Kind of like Diet. You got to die to have a diet. Anyway, pretty much the same creative team. Louise and Walter Simonson on writing and penciling chores, respectively. Uh, Bob Wycheck is inking. Joseph Rosen is lettering, and Petrus Kotis or Goldberg, whichever you want to choose, is there. And the story goes thus. The formal angel... Yeah, formal. Great. He's formal. He's got a bow tie and everything. The former angel-turned-apocalypse-horseman Death is angry. His girlfriend, Candy Southern, has been kidnapped by his former friend-turned-conspirator-at-large, Cameron Hodge. This is just another step in Hodge's multi-point plan to destroy Warren Worthington, a.k.a. the angel, a.k.a. Archangel now. Y'all follow that? All of this was shown on Hodge's massive PowerPoint presentation, by the way. Shame on you for sleeping through that meeting. <laughs> so Archangel is tearing through Hodge's demonic army, also on the PowerPoint, as Nanny and the Orphan Maker steal another child in an ongoing subplot that we're not going to see any real resolution to here. As Archangel tears things up, Hodge recounts how he pushed Warren to the edge by masterminding a metric cap crap ton of legal woes and then having his wings amputated after the mutant massacre. All of this pushed Warren to the point of suicide, but Apocalypse intervened and turned Angel into his embodiment of death. See Bill's book, subheading C on the PowerPoint. I was going to say, uh, didn't I, haven't just, I yeah. heard this before? I've this <laughs> heard this before. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, we checked back in on the subplot of Cyclops and Marvel Girl searching for Scott's son, who was once thought dead, but will be shot into the future down the road and become Cable. Spoiler. Anybody in the 90s listening, uh, yeah, that's the big revelation. What? <laughs> what? Archangel finally reaches Cameron Hodge and the still sleeping form of Candy Southern who may or may not be brain dead uh, there's a fight in which H- Hodge monologues once again that Candy was going to expose Hodge's evil plans and she was a human in love with a mutant so in Hodge's twisted xenophobic view she kind of had this coming so there's if a- Hodge monologues would that be a Hodgelog? Hodgelog? <laughs> Uh, There's a bit more fighting with the Armored Hodge with his machine, killing uh, Candy as they're fighting. And sadly, by the time Archangel reaches her, she's already dead. Basically, flipping Warren's switch to death mode. And this team of armored troops arrive to assist Hodge. And what was left of Warren Worthington is cradling Candy's body in his arms and just announces himself to be the Dark Angel.
1: Death. Actually, he becomes uh, Intego Montoya
0: from uh, Princess Bride. You killed my girlfriend. Prepare to die.
2: (laughs) Uh, So what would you guys think? This this was much more uh, decompressed yes. than Bill's book. Bill's book felt chock full of information whereas this was more exposition and just a little bit of story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that was a bad thing. Uh, this this certainly read better as a standalone issue than the last one in my opinion. It had it had more emotion
0: to it I thought because I mean ultimately the conclusion is that Hodge essentially wins to some extent. I mean, he's been winning more than Charlie Sheen through this whole thing, but he pretty much pushes he pushes Archangel to the point where he's wanting it that he's just a bloodthirsty killing machine. And there's yeah. a lot of subplots that I I'm, I don't remember the demons unless this is right before Inferno, and I believe it might be. Yeah, because page three we had the League of Extraordinary
1: Demons up there. <laughs> <laughs> don't want guy on the left. What is mutant? He just looks kind of like he's he's just like he's just here for the paycheck.
0: <laughs> what? What's going on? I did notice that Archangel's design in these early issues between Bills and Eyes there's a a lot of intention that got taken away down the road because I'm looking at these and the the headpiece that eventually he peels back and he has a mullet in the 90s he it doesn't it looks it looks organic here well it's 25 the lines,
1: he had an actual like a like a metallic cover over it yeah. when he was when he was the Horseman like a skull kind of shaped to it mask and then he removed that and he's got the, you know, his actual skin appears to have changed color. Um, and then he has the the mask o- over, the, like a, a skin-tight mask. Yeah. But yeah, here he's pretty much adopted the the skin-tight mask look with his, but, some reason his eyebrows
0: are still blonde. Yeah, it, it just looks like <laughs> that these this is more war paint than an actual cowl. Right. And then later down the road, I mean, they would slowly begin to ease him back into being the angel. He would get his wings back. Uh, he would start... Not wearing the hood, and that was his look. And for what Warren went through in this, that just slowly eroded the potency of this because this was a at, big deal.
1: Then, at one point, he goes completely back to human, yep, and then his blood can heal people. And then, I think at some point before, like in the past few years, couldn't he change forms between Archangel and I, his normal look? He of that, yeah,
0: yeah. But this was, I mean, this was a character that got, to put it mildly, put through the ringer. Everything Mm -hmm. got destroyed around him. This is like born again. He had everything taken away from him, except he didn't quite come through it as gracefully as Daredevil did. Which is... Yeah, which is saying quite a bit. Yes. Uh,
2: Yeah, I thought this was a good character study. Like I said, a lot of exposition in it, but that was okay. Maybe it's because I haven't read every issue yet. Maybe if I, if I had been reading it month, on a monthly basis, I might feel like, all right, come on, let's get on with the story. Yeah. But as a standalone issue, I kind of like, you know, that it let me understand everything that was going on. Well, for the most part. You know, there may have been some subtleties that were lost. Um, and I do like, I like the feel of the artwork more in this, despite the fact that it's the same team. I think he, he brought a little bit better game to this one than he did to the previous one.
1: Like the fight between Angel and, 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 and Hodge. It just seems, it's like very, it just flows and the action just goes mm-hmm. really good. It's the, just, the art, the it's art seems to
2: be just a little tighter mm-hmm. uh, and darker. Like
0: color palette wise or? No, just a uh, tone. Okay. I could see that. I could see that quite a bit. And plus this is, um, I mean, essentially this is building to a one-on-one confrontation. And one that's been building since Hodge has just been slowly tearing stuff up for Warren. And now he's killing his girlfriend. So the the intensity of the oncoming fight kind of puts you through the first half before they get hands on each other, because you know there's going to be a beatdown.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because at this point, you, you you're looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, this guy's got
1: to go. <laughs> exactly. Now, at the end of it, end of this, is it? It looks like he cuts Hodge's head off, but I know Hodge later down the road
0: comes back and he's pretty. I think I want to say better. he's a cyborg. He's part of the Phalanx. That was that was the there was an issue where the Phalanx started uh, slowly building towards the big crossover that brought in uh, Generation X and uh, Candy comes walking in the door after being dead several years and she was a construct of the Phalanx hmm. and Hodge had bonded with it so hmm. so he doesn't come back in the traditional. Well, maybe I'm sense. thinking Donald Pierce that becomes a cyborg. Oh yeah, Donald Pierce always was a cyborg. Yeah, yeah but there was one.
1: something. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So, yeah, I, I actually ended up I, I picked this at random to be honest, uh, just because I, I just looked up where does apocalypse appear. Yep, this one will work. And I ended up really enjoying this. That's and what definitely I did in too. Conjunction with, I did the same Jill. thing. I'm like
1: apocalypse <laughs> appearances. Poof. Oh yeah, let's go with that one. I just picked
2: the X Men book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but between the yeah the two X Factor books, I kind of want to go back and reread this title, which means I'm probably going to go back and, and reread a lot
2: of X Men. Well, with with my recent. Uh... Comic Store Adventures. I've got most of the X Factor run now. There's very little of it. I have to. I'm going to be going on Memorial Day. There'll be another sale that I'll be attending, and I might. Who knows? I might be able to fill it out then. Although I would imagine the issues they were missing then, they're still missing. But we'll see. Yeah, you never know. But I think once I once I do complete the run, I think I will do a read through of the entire thing. But any other individual thoughts? No, I'm I'm pretty thought out. I got one more,
0: and that's the fact that Cameron Hodges' armor makes me think he should be in Transformers, the movie, because he looks like uh, Daniel's armor. Like, it should transform into a little pickup. Daniel's son? No, Daniel. <laughs> okay, there's there's a very niche audience for that, joke. I'll admit. Um, head on, so... head off. <laughs> no, not a headmaster. That's what my... Never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to take the low-hanging fruit. Um. Guess we'll Never go to letter us. grades.
2: <laughs> Your book, you go first. Um,
0: I really like this cover. It's 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 scratchy, it, it, but it, I like it. It fits for this cover that things are kind of, insane and out of control. Um, uh, I'll give it I'll give it a B because it does it's it is scratchy. It is a little off. The interior art is also a little bit scratcher, but it works for this story a bit more. Like you have demons, you have uh, Cameron Hodges' hooded form which is basically a smiley face, I'll kind of stick with the B-minus on that. It's a little sketchy, but it works very well. Story, this is an emotional, intense story. This is a fight that you've been waiting for, and it doesn't disappoint. And the fact that it has the sort of Marvel hero doesn't win ending kind of got me. So I'm going to actually give the story a B plus. I'm going to average it out to about a B. So pretty close to the last book. All right. Dr. Bill?
2: Um,
1: yeah, the cover is more... Personal mono y mono two guys going in you know you've got Hodge and Warren going at it and it's just uh, this time it's centered
0: <laughs> yes
1: um yeah it just looked I actually like this one a little bit better than than the last cover um I'm so I'm I'm gonna give it a, a well, of course I gave the last one B plus A minus I'm still gonna give this one I'm gonna give it an A minus um, the interior art yeah I always was creeped out by Hodge's um. That, that look under the hood is just weird because the eyes move in panels there's like two little dots in the eyes and they and they change position like it's actually like looking at you or looking over the shoulder and, and this and that um, uh, yeah it flows a lot with, with the fight scenes and everything else and Cyclops and Marvel Girl in the the stuff that they're in for the one page I think they really look good too. I mean, Marvel Girl always looks good. Just kidding. Yeah, some misogynistic pig. Oink. Uh, Boy, I am. No, okay. <laughs> this, those are the jokes, kids. Preach it, brother. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to give the art a B plus here. And the story, you know, the build up, the face off, not Travolta and Cage. Uh, I'm going to give that a, a B plus as well. So we're looking at a B plus book.
2: All right. Uh, I'm going to just start off with on a whole, I enjoyed this one more than the previous one, but I like the cover of the previous one more than this one. I I think I'm the outlier on the cover on this one because I think there's a little too much focus on Hodge and his costume isn't, or his armor, whatever you want to call it, isn't dynamic enough to carry the cover. So I kind of feel like they, they could have gone with the same pose, but gone with a different angle. And I think I would have preferred it a lot more. And again, I kind of feel like the background kind of makes you lose Angel a little in it. I think you, you could have gone with a little bit of a different color palette there to, to, to make the cover just pop a little bit more. I mean, I know the, the contrast of Hodge's armor against Angel does give you that contrast and the wings uh, also contrast. But just the background just seems to be, you know, nothing special, just there. I'm going to say a C plus on the cover for me which is, you know, still not bad, but it's just, I don't know that this would entice me to pick it up on a newsstand. I think the interior art is superior and not because it's different per se. I mean, it's the same artist, but I just think he, like I said, I think he brought a better game to this one. Uh, I think the, the action seems very kinetic. Uh, it's, it's maybe maybe that's what it is because it's just a lot of action in here and, and it's letting Simonson... Uh, you know, shine a little bit, and the demon characters go more to his strength than the human characters. So I'm gonna say the interior art is a B plus, and the story again, you know, it is as a standalone issue. It was fairly easy to read and follow and enjoyable. Uh, you know, the the emotional beats kind of are there. I mean, yeah, I, Candy Southern, you know, all right, I'm not gonna go crazy that her character died, but you know, it's still there's still some emotion in there, and it was. Well done. I'm going to say a B-plus on the story as well. And overall, I'll give the book a B. No. And that silence is a sign <laughs> that we have no more issues to read for you folks.
1: I got nowhere else to
4: go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. <laughs>
0: Issues. I thought Bill still had to give the grade. Oh, no, Bill just gave the grade. Never mind.
2: But overall, uh, so the next time we'll we'll be in touch with, next uh, t- uh, oh, sorry. with Mr. Weeder, we'll be doing it in person, and you listeners will probably get to listen to it at some point too. Face to face, yep.
0: And there will be many fine meats consumed.
2: Yes, some of which are smoked, some of which are rubbed.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa. There's too, too much entendre there. To
2: paraphrase Mr. Rifen. <laughs> Smoke but ends, I, will t- I will tell everybody now, at my house, there'll be no rubbing of meat.
0: Well, you'll rub your own meat, right?
2: If somebody wants to rub their meat, they can go to the hotel. The rubbing of the meat.
0: Well, no, no, wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Which part of the hotel? <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't, that's not my house. They can do whatever they want there.
0: But you rub in the privacy of your own room. is up to you. That, that's your business, yeah. It's, it's your residence. You want to rub the meat? You can rub it. That's fine.
2: I want nobody rubbing meat in my house. There'll be young, there'll be young lads here. I forgot about that. Yeah, there'll be kids this time. Yeah, not really, not really that <laughs> little. I mean, Logan's sixteen, and uh, I know. Don't ask me how old he is. Fourteen. Twelve? No.
1: Actually, I think he will be fifteen this October.
2: So he's fourteen, which is what I just said. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's almost. He's. He's, he's got hair he's growing 14. on his legs. Bill, it's May. He's fourteen. <laughs> is that almost? He's halfway there. By June he'll be halfway. He's to halfway, 15. which means he's 14. That's that's 14. By I legal. I am 14. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you're Going 14, you stop 15. saying I'm 14 and
0: a half. <laughs> you're
2: just, 14 until you're 15. I just turned him into a
1: sound of music song.
0: See, I thought you'd go Bon Jovi with that, but no, Bon Jovi. He took a different path. Yeah, halfway there, living on a prayer.
3: Oh, yeah. Mm. All right which you may find at www.2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is a registered trademark of Monzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the 2 True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email. To two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
1: So, Oh, so what is this? Back to the bins?
2: Where, where are we? We are back to the bins. We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum.